4: Where's my sandwich?
5: I am Monty. Excellent. You're crushing my soul and giving me a headache at the same time.
4: There'll be food
3: and drink and ghosts.
5: Show me what you got. Is it too late to say that I, I kind of don't care for Star Wars?
0: You can say that and find your way out the door. <laughs> the force is strong with this one. And I am Big Kev.
3: Hail to the king, baby. Yo, that kid Monty is fired.
0: I
4: have Amigo Isis action figure. Ah, mighty Isis. And here are we. Go.
5: Yeah, there's a, there's a certain format to the show that we like to follow. It's usually yeah. uh, you bicker with Dom about something that's kind of silly, me wanting to, you guys to finish up, uh, me wanting to recast things that we've watched recently. Right. Um, but you know what? I, mean, I, I we think we, we, we need to press pause on that. We need to save all of our time yes. because it's a a special episode for a movie that we've seen, I don't know, bajillion-ish. I think ish is, is fair. Tons. i would that's say
0: great. everybody in this room except the sandwich has seen this movie more than 10 times
5: i think that's fair i think, that's I think fair.
2: That's fair. The, the only reason my my count is so low is because i discovered the, the movie very recently that's true
5: well you're a baby that's okay i mean you know i, even I have, am a youngin you don't even have a 401k we talked about this all right you know it's all I'm right working it. on that okay
0: uh, uh so, for the, uh, the uninitiated, tonight's very special episode and our very, very special guests, Catherine Mary Stewart and Lance Guest from the incredible, legendary motion picture, The Last Starfighter.
4: Woo! Hello, hello. Woo! There they are.
0: <laughs> Looking lovely, both of them.
4: Uh,
2: thank
0: There's you so done. much right at the top of the show, uh, guys. We're just going gonna to plug our socials and stuff. But I want to thank you right out of the gate for joining us this evening. It is our absolute honor and pleasure to have you on Geek Stuff TNG. Uh, Mr. Nick. Yes, sir. Where can people reach this fine program?
5: You know, it's so funny you say that, Kev, because, you know, first of all, they can reach us uh, over on the Patreon, patreon.com slash for just a buck a month. You can uh, chat video, uh, well, audio chat or text chat or whatever you want to do over on the Discord for three right. bucks a month. You get the show a day and a half early, which is usually Wednesday night, but minus this week, of course with a sneak peek <laughs> at the prep sheet. For $5, you get the weekend bonus show, which that sandwich aces this week, my man. Aces this week.
0: Sandwich's bonus show this week was his experience, his first experience with The Last Starfighter. How appropriate for mm-hmm.
5: today's show. Um, Along with some vintage episodes of Big Kev's Geek stuff. Ooh. And uh, for 10 bucks a month, you get the show live on Instagram, which again, this is just one of those days where the The content before the show actually starts, or the content right after it starts, is just going to be just as entertaining uh, as we as we just told our lovely guests actually before we started recording. So
0: now, now we weren't now we weren't broadcasting when uh, Lance and Catherine were sorting out their camera and light and position and everything. But I have to tell you, if you did not know what was going on, <laughs> there would be questions. That's all. <laughs> All I'm saying, there was a lot of discussion. There was a lot of, there were terms used. And uh,
3: were there something? Uh, uh, uh,
6: Wow, that's an interesting interpretation. That's all I can say. Obviously, we know where your mind's at. (laughs) All I'm
0: saying is that the uninitiated, the uninitiated who could not see because the camera was not on, might have thought a thing or two. That's all I'm saying. That's all I'm saying.
6: Hey, you know, we're, we're tight.
3: Remember when they, in London they they tried to get us to, like, talk about, like, you know. That stuff?
0: Yeah.
6: Wow. Our lips are you know, sealed for everything.
3: Wait, air. hold on. Yeah,
0: I got to erase something from my list.
3: The
6: London papers. <laughs> Good. Remember they
0: were so oh. like
6: Yeah, yeah. It was yeah.
3: very exciting. Yeah. I mean, you know, the British, they,
4: they made you know, a out of everything.
0: You know, Lance and Catherine, we could spend our entire show today just talking about The Last Starfighter. However... Um, it would be wrong of us to ignore the work that you did before the last Starfighter,
6: <laughs> or would it? <laughs> <laughs> a, a couple
0: of projects that we want to talk about, Uh-oh. and of course, because and because ladies are first, <laughs> and because I only sure discovered anything. this last night, so I haven't had a chance to see it yet.
6: Mm-hmm. Um,
0: Catherine, tell us about the
6: apple. Oh, the apple, a classic motion picture, you mean. (laughs) I can't believe you haven't seen it like dozens of times, Uh, like the last Starfighter. At this
0: point, I've seen the trailer dozens of times.
6: (laughs) Uh, That's probably enough. I would first suggest getting out some nice hashish or uh, (laughs) pot, whatever you want to call it. Molly, is that the same thing?
3: You're asking me
2: <laughs> about a little,
3: here. it's a little different.
2: Uh, Molly's a little, a little different than your average uh, How would you know there, Dom? Uh, school.
6: <laughs> College. Uh, hey. The class that I took. Anyway, no, uh, yeah, the, the apple. So I was a dancer in London. I, I started out as a dancer. When I graduated from high school, I, um, I, I, um, decided to pursue my dance career. I, I was at a, in a company and everything in, in Canada, in Edmonton. And um, I decided to, to further it. So I moved to London and I studied at this place called the London Studio Center that was, it not only offered every kind of dance you can imagine, but acting classes and singing classes and um, you know, dialects and all sorts of stuff. Anyway, so I was there doing that. And a couple of classmates of mine were, going to this audition they'd heard about for this movie where they needed dancers so i thought oh that's that'll be a good opportunity so i went along with them completely unprepared by the way you were supposed to come prepared with stuff i don't know (laughs) i didn't know um i i showed up and i was dancing around you know um uh doing the choreography and the director pulled me out and asked me if i could act and of course i said cha of course and yeah i'm an actor cha now I am. so yeah now i am and can you sing yeah <laughs>
4: sure I can uh, sing.
6: do you have a shower anywhere that i could sing in what are you um doing? I'm ready. but no i had studied that stuff you know previously but i wasn't you know this professional singer by any stretch of the imagination anyway he auditioned me they auditioned me and And I landed the lead role in this futuristic rock musical called The Apple, loosely based on a sort of futuristic Adam and Eve kind of a story. And the future is 1994.
0: Yes. It says in the opening lines of the trailer, it's 1994 and ruled by one power. That's correct. Apple.
6: That's correct.
3: Baby's arm, holding have?
6: So yeah, that was my first foray into acting and and I didn't know what I was doing and but it was really fun and we shot in Germany and Berlin before the wall was that's how that's that's how long ago it was. Clearly
0: from the production design.
6: Yeah.
0: Clearly. And
6: Hamburg and all this other stuff, and it was a Golan Globus thing for Canon films. It was Canon it was Canon film's first um um first movie really under the name of canon and they were trying to break into the american film industry and they thought this was a sure thing because there were a lot of other kind of you know disco-y sort of musicals going on at that time that were very popular so this was in uh, their mind going to open the door wide for them in the american market and i'm not sure that it did exactly but you know got me into the business so
0: i am now without hyperbole i am dying to see this movie i have oh god you see it like you've taken the rocky horror picture show and xanadu and i don't know some sort of cocaine and you have made the apple that's what it's
6: uh it is an adventure it is it is an adventure um stick with it it's got i'm telling you it still has these screenings all over the country i went to i've been to two screenings in uh new york for it Um, and and it's a cult it's a, it is it is a kind of a cult. It's, There's a it's, specific yeah. audience, but it's, and they do sort of a Rocky Horror picture show thing yeah. Um, yeah. at the screen. You know right. when when it's playing. Yeah, Lincoln Center has screened it a couple of times. It's, it's
1: historic. It sounds right in my wheelhouse.
0: I, I am kind of keeping my eyes open for this film now. All right, you gotta
6: check to, it I, out. It God, started.
0: I interrupted.
1: Oh I just said it sounds like it's right in my wheelhouse just like you said Kev, Xanadu Rocky Horror you know all the all the musicals of that time frame I, I mean I can't believe I've never heard of The Apple and I, I want to see I it I couldn't too. believe it either It's it's going to be a but deep stuff like uh, film night we're going to have to we're going to have to watch this on yeah. a on a <laughs> together
6: Yeah yeah and you have to understand the people that made the movie were big Israeli movie makers but I, my theory is they had a little chip missing in in terms of It's Sort of the uh, the the theme that people were really going for in the United States. It's slightly different than maybe Lance's Lance's
3: face. While you were paused to
0: answer that question, was classic.
3: I mean, what was she gonna say? I've seen. I've I've just. I there's there's one scene. Can I can I tell him about? Oh yeah. There's a scene in there that is supposed to be like a mass. It's not really an orgy, but it's kind of like. Oh, yeah. It's not really an orgy, but it's like a it's like a choreographed orgy. Oh yeah, it's a part of the trailer. It is definitely um, something. If you are a parent that wants your child to, uh, <laughs> you know, abstain from sex, and you're like an abstinence only person, show them that movie.
6: <laughs> <laughs> I thought you were going to say the opposite. And then no, show them like,
3: that movie because it's the weirdest thing in the world. <laughs> it's just like, what. A, Wait, what are they doing?
5: <laughs>
6: what are they doing? Um, and the song that's playing as they're doing this choreographed orgy is called I'm Coming.
5: Yes. Ah.
1: So, so it's very subtle. The whole movie wow. is very subtle.
6: Very subtle. Very, very subtle. And you're subtle. not really
1: involved in that. It's no, mostly no, no. a whole bunch yeah. of other
6: people. It's a sort of but a it's s- just like, setting it's like, up oh, a scenario uh. for, for uh, um, Alfie. I'm trying to remember our names. Sexy My name as a is Rusty baby. Fender,
3: you know. <laughs>
0: <laughs> so while while Catherine is doing the first of what seems to me uh, the first of her many cult films, uh, <laughs> Lance is uh, hopping into Halloween Two, one of the most anticipated sequels in horror history. Really? Oh yeah. Yes
5: absolutely. I, just,
3: I, you know, I actually, my girlfriend at the time, Carrie, you know Carrie, mm-hmm. um, she, uh, she had seen Halloween. I had not seen Halloween. So I, I, I knew kind of what it was, but I was like, mm, okay. So I went in to read and, and they, they just kind of cast me. I, I was one, of, I was like the second month I was auditioning or second or third month I was auditioning. And, uh, I went in and met Jamie Curtis and, nice. you know, it was really, It was, I just, I tell the same story, but I mean, she was so funny because she, in the movie, she's very serious. You know, Laurie Strode is a very Mm -hmm. serious, introverted person. And Jamie Curtis is not an introverted person. She's like the biggest personality in the world. And she, and she's really loads of fun. And it's just, it was just funny, you know, because I, you know, when I, when I read with her, she was very serious. But in real life, she's like totally the opposite.
0: Do you do you still get people who uh, recognize
3: and want to talk to you about Halloween, too? Uh, Yes, as a matter of fact, Um, mostly like, you know, the I got involved, got involved in conventions. I got in through Halloween, too. I got in because a friend of mine, this guy is an agent and he and he said, hey, you know, there's so many being in Halloween is a really big deal. And I was like, really? They said, yeah, yeah, yeah. They they have conventions all the time. They do these things. I mean, I, I was I've been to the one in Jersey a bunch of times, or the ones. There's been several. Killer um, and Monster Mania. Hiller and uh, Cherry. I think one in Cherry, Cherry Hill. Hill. Cherry Hill. That's Monster Mania. That's Monster Mania, and then Chiller as uh, in various places. I think we went to the.
6: There's a new one. Anyway, that City. was my first
3: my first one. I think
6: that was my first one with the with you and New Jersey.
3: And so that that was it. And I was a little bit like, yeah, it was awesome when this movie, The Last Starfighter. Like, what? it's just all horror all the time you know so i was like okay well here we go i spent 25 days making halloween 2 and here it is 35 years later (laughs) so now we are gonna fast forward to
0: 1984 or 83 or whenever you filmed it you you uh you, you star in the last starfighter so can you give us what was the genesis of uh was it just another day, another read, uh,
3: audition, that sort of thing? Yeah. I mean, for me, it was, it was I, I had to actually, it, uh, reading for lead parts was kind of not new at that point to me. I, I kind of had been doing it for, you know, I'd been in, I'd had lead parts and other things. Um, not, I shouldn't say that. Um, Halloween two was really the only lead thing I had, but I'd had good parts and, and other things. And I read it and I thought it was funny and I thought it was special and kind of goofy and um I just came in and read and and then two months later was my callback. i thought I thought, you know, uh. it, it was over and two months later is when we had the that that right? I don't yeah.
6: I don't remember that I don't remember frankly, but that there was such a gap between the first time I read and the second time I read. But um Maybe there was, but yeah, it was it was for me, I was on days of our lives at the time, but I was auditioning for other junk, and um it was just like a regular audition, just went in and read and and uh, when we had the call back they they put us together, so that was kind of great, um, yeah. and <laughs>
0: that know, worked out
6: <laughs> that worked out okay, we did okay with that, um, y- yeah, we I don't know they 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 hired us. So I guess we did something right. But, uh, yeah, we had, a it, it was a nice, I remember the part of the audition anyway, that, uh, we sort of, you were, you, he's a very, he's a, he's a, an educated actor. <laughs> I, I got on this movie and all of a sudden I was an actor. So he was very serious about, you know, doing the lines. And I remember you taking me out, to the hallway to like practice so we could you know be prepared and i'm like okay and then i remember (laughs) also (laughs) what the kids are doing i really didn't have any preconceived ideas of even the idea of making a career as an actor at that point i guess i because i was on days of our lives but there was not for me this sort of sense of urgency (laughs) there never has been never will be probably um so i I was pretty relaxed about stuff and i liked auditioning frankly but i remember also we had this uh they asked us to kind of improvise um as though we were at the lake you know so so we didn't actually um say the words uh, because it's a pretty funny scene we just kind of lay there as though we were boyfriend and girlfriend looking at the stars and things i think nick was giving us a little bit of direction um that's what i recall and uh yeah so it was kind of delightful and we ended up you know getting the role it was
0: odd considering the time period i always thought it was odd that they never put an arcade you know a full cabinet Mm -hmm. game out like the one that appears in the film i always thought that was the strangest thing like if ever there was a tie-in for an arcade game you know, I know the home stuff was 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 happening, but the like Nick said, but the the arcades were still like oh, yeah. really really popping at that time. And I just thought it was really odd that they never put out a, an arcade. I mean, people have built them since, but you know, mm-hmm. no no one at that time that they didn't like Williams or one of those other big companies didn't actually put
3: out a game. It's not, that was always strange. It was weird. I mean, we got almost no support really after the after the initial release. Right. You know, I think they they put out a trailer, and you know, and there was some publicity, but not a lot. And and then once it was out, it was like, well, okay, let's move on to something else. Right. And it's the people that saw it, you know, on VHS or cable TV, and they were like, wait, this is this is a good movie, you know. Mm-hmm. And yeah. the industry was not; it wasn't a big deal. They didn't. It was never like, oh, you know, like I'd go into I wouldn't go into auditions, and they were like, oh yeah, you were in Last Starfighter. It was like. Nothing. Hmm. It was like all right.
6: Now
0: they would ask you that. Now they would ask you that because I was gonna
6: say the first time I somebody said that to me was probably 15 years ago. I walked into a commercial audition and the casting guy goes, "Oh my God, you're Catherine Mary Stewart from the Last Starfighter." And I was like, "Huh? (laughs) (laughs) You know the Last Starfighter?" And then then I felt like oh. Can you swear on this show?
4: Yeah, of course.
6: Oh, shit. Um, I was like, oh, the pressure's on. What if I don't get this thing? He's so impressed with me. And, and I didn't get it, by the way. I was like, wow
3: has oh, happened to me a bunch of times. Yeah. They're like, oh, man, we're so great. It's like, yeah, get a job now. Uh.
6: It's, it's so humiliating. Huh. I can't tell
0: you. I know, kind of sucks. On that same note, I, I, you know, Lance and I had a brief discussion about this the other day as well. You know, there was no in 1984 is a miracle really there's no merchandising there was no toy line there were prototypes made i believe they were by the company galoob uh and but they were never released uh you know i i know that there's one one of these great books uh that's out now like the toys that time forgot or something like that i believe they like <laughs>
4: them. That's um right.
0: but you know like It was just always shocking to me that, you know, that like they just kind of, well, it was out and it went and it didn't do as well as we like. Well, maybe a toy line or maybe some more publicity or an arcade game or mm, something, you know, might have might have given it a little bit more of a, 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 you know, more of more cred, if you will, to use the modern term, I guess.
3: (laughs) You know, it, was, it wasn't it um, was as present as you would think. I mean, nowadays, you know, science fiction and comic book mm. m- type movies and this kind of thing, you know, sort of co- uh, science fiction comedy and all that stuff is everywhere. But back then, we were the only... It was Us and Back to the Future. and Star
6: Wars? I mean, Star
3: Wars is not funny. I mean, Star Wars is not Right. Common, uh, yes, so it, in terms
6: of, yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah it it, it,
5: it you was know, a that different genre.
3: sort of hybrid was fairly new.
5: The only other thing I could think of is batteries not included, maybe.
3: Yeah, or Earth Girls are easy. Remember that?
0: Yeah. yeah.
5: <laughs> you are.
3: <laughs> Loved it. Who doesn't
0: remember a Jeff Goldblum
3: classic? Yeah. <laughs> and then my friends uh, wrote uh, Bill and Ted in 84 but then it didn't get made until like 87 or 89, I can't remember. It
0: was 87, yeah, it was in that era there.
3: So um, it, was, it, was, it was a while later, but, but in, that, in other words, that, that world wasn't, we were kind of a, a, an oddball movie. Yeah.
0: Just a, po- a point of clarity for Catherine, um,
6: Oh, thank you for clarifying something for me because
0: I'm completely confused. No, I'm well, a point. A, a, maybe I should say a point of clarity for our listeners. From Catherine, okay. you did uh, you did Days of Our Lives 1982 into 1983, where you played Kayla Brady. But that was Kayla Brady before Patch. Right before she oh, met Yes.
6: Well before I initiated okay, okay. Caleb Brady. I was the first Caleb Brady.
0: Ah, okay. There you Roman go.
6: Roman was on there already, and then Bo came after me.
0: Peter Reckle.
6: That's correct. And uh a
0: mother who worshipped this show like it was the other half of her life. So I I, I did see you in that time period <laughs> on that program. I'm not ashamed to say. So
6: Oh, thank you. Uh, I, I take that as a compliment. Give Absolutely. your mom a big hug if, if she's still with us.
0: I sure do,
6: yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, for sure. I mean, the soap opera audience is like, you know, nothing else. On the yeah,
0: planet. my mother was like, did you hear what happened today? And, <laughs> <laughs> no, what? And I got the whole breakdown of the whole episode, so.
6: Oh, I love it. Love it. Um, yeah. So
0: we're, we're, we're now, we're through the casting process. We're making the film. Um I don't know how to phrase this other than what's it like to be in someone like Robert Preston's presence. I mean, the man had the silver, the
3: most silver tongue ever. I mean, brilliant. Um, Well, uh, I I say, everybody always says, I I, I can't be that original anymore. (laughs) Um, You say what you want to say. I have to say, what 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 the the, the thing that struck me the most was that he did not at all object to rehearsing with me thousands of times, because I re, you know we only got a couple of times to get it, and I really did not want to screw it up, and it was like you had to make all the moments line up, and you had to get it in two takes, and so I would rehe- I, I bugged him about rehearsing all the time, and he always was cool about it, and he always. Said he was from the theater, and he, you know, he doesn't have worry about that stuff. And he was a right. tough guy, and he was a, you know, hard worker. This is like three o'clock in the morning, you know, and he was in his late sixties, yes. um, and uh, he just, you know, he 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 was impressive to me. And I also had this weird thing where I I had memorized uh, when I was in high school. I'd memorized "Trouble in River City." And so I, you know, I could do that. I love like doing that when I was a kid. We can do it so- later
0: as a bonus feature if you want, because I have it memorized also. So oh, there you go. All right. <laughs> um, on that note, just just to say, you know, you, you come to find out or I did come to find out years later that the role was specifically written for him based on the character of Harold Hill from The Music Man. Uh, I, I just found that phenomenal, and then when you look at it after you have that piece of knowledge in your head, you're like, "Yep, I see every bit of where what they were doing with that character and, and how they based it on Harold Hill and, and
1: Harold Sofa. Hill in space."
0: Yeah, that's right. Yeah, kind of. Nick, you had
5: something? Yeah, I was kind of curious. So, um, watching the movie, as I said, I picked it up on Blu-ray to watch it for the thousandth time. What was your what was your reaction when you first saw the completed film and what's your take on like seeing it kind of recently after all these years like does it still give you that kind of excitement that joy um uh, and, and are you still kind of happy with the finished product as is Do You want to go first?
6: Have sure. You? Um yeah, the taco. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> um I remember watching it and feeling like I could actually sit back and relax and watch it for the even the very first time, which is unusual. Usually, you're like, "Oh, very self-critical." Mm-hmm. Um, so that was kind of cool. And you know, as time goes on, it's it's. I, I just I I feel even I just have a, this warm fuzzy feeling about the whole thing because it was such a great experience and i was so young i mean i can really separate myself from it completely now because i'm really old and i really i enjoy it because because of how unique it was and and that you know over time i've learned that there are so many people out there that appreciate that and 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 the the fan Responses, especially at conventions, which really was my introduction to how many people really like this movie. Um, they're always so incredibly great and complimentary and passionate about it, and I I'm I feel so uh, grateful to have been a part of it, and I love watching it now. It's really fun.
3: I have a very similar response um but it's actually a little more extreme in the beginning because the first cut i saw was when i was doing adr i ended up seeing most of the movie because oh. they had it you know i was in most of the movie and so i had all this replacement and and it was all in black and white and it was like missing scene here you know where the fights would happen
5: <laughs> so it
3: just it just didn't have so i i, I kind of you know it wasn't the best way to see it uh hmm. and then i saw it in santa fe new mexico i saw it, the first time i saw it in the theaters was in this old old theater in santa fe new mexico it was a historic theater because it's in a building that's a 100 years old and i don't know that they'd like updated the sound or anything you know so it was the sound was bad and it was <laughs> you know it was like an old building in an yeah, old yeah. movie theater with <laughs> old equipment oh,
1: no. and
3: uh and so i was like okay all right excellent you know and then i came back and i saw the premiere and and that was a little better, but I was it was sort of surreal for me because it was the premiere of this movie I was in, and I'd never done that before.
6: Yeah, and you, he carried and, the movie. I mean, yeah. it was all about him, so yeah. it's hard. That's harder to. I guess part of the reason that it was easy for me is because I'm just the girlfriend. <laughs> He's carrying the whole thing.
3: Well, I was also very self-critical. I was always mm. really like, did I did I do what I wanted to do? Did I do it? Mm-hmm. And I have to say, I was happy that the 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 intentional. Hmm. it was so planned it had to be so planned out because we couldn't miss a beat we couldn't get a wrong take we couldn't do that stuff that i, I felt like it succeeded and then you know years and years and years go by and then we saw it at your brother's right. science place right. in edmonton and and it was at the uh, an imax
6: yeah hmm.
3: and i got to see the last Starfighter* at an imax That's wow big. the imax sound it was, it was unbelievable
6: unbelievable
3: there were so many things in there that I never heard. right
6: never heard before. and it was
3: awesome and that's when I was like whoa this and uh, uh, my experience <laughs> of seeing that movie completely changed and I just thought this is a great movie <laughs> yeah yeah and, that
6: that was a whole different and
3: network. so then luckily I mean that was right around I mean, this was filming about eight years ago or seven years ago or something mm-hmm
6: yeah if that long even but yeah something like that but
3: it was really fun and that's definitely the way to see this movie oh Um, that would be cool but uh it's really really cool and it really it really knocked me out everything all the sound bits all the music all the everything you know just that just it was really fantastic so i and then you know i meet so many people that are really nice and say how special it was and it really makes me feel good because that's what we wanted it to be we wanted it to be we wanted somebody else to experience a movie the way we we did, you know, the way the ones that we like. So.
5: Wow, that's crazy! Um, now, except for us, like telling Dom that uh, to do a a special bonus episode on the movie, he found out about it that way. A lot of people found out about the Last Starfighter um, from uh, some books from Ernest Klein. He wrote uh, Ready Player One that Spielberg uh, did uh, as a movie uh, two or three years ago. Now, at this point. Uh, and he came up with a sequel called Armada, which is, almost, which is very similar to the plot of uh, The Last Starfighter. So um, as people of our generation kept saying, oh, yeah, it's basically The Last Starfighter. That's how a lot of younger kids found out about it. Uh, I'm just curious if you guys heard of any kind of correlation between those Ernest Cline books, um, if it was passed on to you at, at all, and if you just had any kind of thoughts whatsoever.
3: I did not I was not aware that uh that that uh wait actually I think Jack told me my son he mm-hmm. has that book and I think he says is there a there might be a reference to the last starfighter in that book is that In the uh, second one I think there is a reference
0: yeah
5: Yeah and, and like I said Armada is very very similar to the plot uh I didn't I, mean, I didn't read it
3: on I didn't read any of that it's stuff, but, not, but not, um, worth it, not, not worth it. So the only thing I heard was that you know that Seth Rogen wanted to do that. You know he's been wanted to to do a Starfighter sequel and oh wow. and he did that Hulu show and there was a we'll get there. What? There. <laughs> oh you'll
6: <okay. laughs> get there.
3: I'm a big Seth Rogen fan. I think he's really great. Hmm.
6: Isn't he Canadian?
3: He's Canadian. He's from a he's from uh, Vancouver
6: can I, rank
2: it? I got I got one question. I know I know I've been quiet the entire show, but I do have one question. Uh, so just for point of reference, when you guys filmed and Last Starfighter was released, you're my age. So I can't imagine what it's like releasing something that big like a film at that age. So I know you guys have been in Hollywood for a while now, but was that kind of like a big thing being like leading roles? you know in like a major film like this to that were you like mentally prepared for that at this point because you had been in hollywood for a while or was it still kind of like holy crap i'm like a major part (laughs) in like a an actual hollywood film not like some thing down at the uh, at the local theater
6: well uh, uh, from my perspective i think you sort of touched on this earlier but at that time actors your age in LA, they're the hot, you know, property. They, they're they working all the time, auditioning all the time. There was so much going on all the time and it really was kind of a small movie. Um, so we just, you know, completed this movie. We had a good time doing it. Uh, Lance and I got along great and we've stayed friends all these years. Um, well, for the most part. <laughs> um, there was just like a gap where we didn't see each other for a long time. but. But, you know, um, but we were busy. We were just, you know, chugging out stuff. I went on to the Night of the Comet and um, I was, I I hadn't finished up or I was just finishing up on Days of Our Lives. And, you know, you finish a project and you just move on to the next one and you Mm -hmm. really don't sort of think in terms of, ooh, I wonder what's gonna happen with this thing. And usually it is almost a year before it comes out anyway, so. Yeah, it, it, you just don't think that way. Maybe a little bit when you actually see it, when they premiere it. Yeah. But uh, at the time it was just a lovely project to work on.
3: It was, yeah. And, and the thing is, it wasn't necessary. I mean, we thought it was fun and we thought it was original and I was proud of it, but I didn't know what, what it was gonna lead to. I didn't know if it was gonna, if I was gonna have to, if I was gonna keep doing this thing over and over and over again, if I was gonna be playing this guy all the time or whatever. Um, But it, it ended up not being like one of those movies that everybody wanted to be in. Remember when St. Elmo's Fire came out? Mm-hmm. Everybody wanted to be on St. Elmo's Fire. Mm-hmm. And it was just like, if you weren't in St. Elmo's Fire, then that means you're really uncool. And then it's like, never <laughs> <everyone laughs> even saw St. Elmo's Fire. Um, the whole kids' table, St. Elmo's and, and Fire. And it was like the the buzz was, they always had these certain movies had this buzz, mm-hmm. and our movie did not. Our no, movie yeah. had no buzz. It was so the, what
6: were they called? The Brat Pack at <laughs> yeah, that time? Yeah, yeah. And bad, bad. a lot
3: of them are really good. That's I the, like the Breakfast kids. But I, know, I
0: hope I hope you both learned a valuable lesson, and that was you should have done more public, uh drunken and drugged nonsense. Yeah.
6: <laughs> well, I should have been
0: carrying
3: guns to airports, and you know, pushing girls yeah. downstairs, and
4: you know.
6: You're right. I mean, and truly, I certainly I wasn't part of that scene at yeah. all. <laughs> uh Yeah, I mean, we just. I had
3: my like two beers at little parties and everything. I would be like my.
6: But I think that's one of the reasons we were cast in it. As a matter of fact, from what I heard somewhere is that they liked the fact that we weren't a part of that kind of brat Pack sitch so I think but mm-hmm. you know they wanted to find somebody new and original and so that was kind of cool I think
2: yeah they did a great <laughs> job Thank you. Well, thanks. thanks, sandwich. <laughs> <No problem.
0: laughs> so uh with that guys we're going to pause our last starfighter conversation here while we take our first break uh and what Nick do you want to bring us the break?
5: Oh we oh you threw me for a curveball uh, uh there Sorry. big Kev. Uh we'll be right back. After these messages we'll be
4: right back. <laughs>
0: Monty, Sandwich, we need to get the word out that the listeners can be involved with Geek Stuff, TNG, directly by using our GVM line.
2: 201-730-2547.
5: Hmm, maybe, maybe we can use our more seductive voices? Huh? Our what? Alright, here. Let's try these lines in our most seductive voices.
6: Hey there. We want you to be a part of Geek Stuff TNG with your questions and your, hmm, comments. Oh! That's right. We want you to tell us what's, hmm, on your mind.
2: What we are doing that you (laughs)
6: like.
2: So call us on the GVM line, two zero one seven three zero two five four seven, 2547 and you may hear yourself, uh, on an upcoming episode of Geek Stuff, TNG. <laughs> wow. Wow. What? Ah! Monty, are you sure this is safe? This store looks sort of very spooky.
5: Sandwich, relax. The Graveyard Gallery is an amazing place and it has something for everybody.
2: But, but but it's called the Graveyard Gallery. Sounds like they're into spooky stuff and, you know, I'm a very delicate person.
5: Well, you're definitely right on both accounts. But it doesn't matter if you want collectibles as far back as The Cabinet of Dr. Caligari or something related to obscure movies that only diehards know about. There's something for everybody here.
2: I, I, I mean, I do have to admit, the, the range of collectibles is...
5: Pretty stellar and
2: pretty creative, I'll be honest.
5: They have a wide range in stock. It could be hot toys, prop replicas, statues, they got you, man.
2: These clothes are something else too. Is that real blood on that shirt?
5: Not on all of them, but they got hoodies, shirts, beanies. They even have stuff with Herman Munster, Dracula, and Red from that 70s show.
2: Wow dude, these handmade items are awesome. This heart's still beating.
5: Alright, put that back where you found it, okay? But the handmade items are some of my favorite things in the store. They have paintings, masks, dolls, and of course prints. You gotta have prints on your wall.
2: Oh, uh, sorry, I didn't hear you. I was having a fascinating conversation with the gentleman over there who's a bat now, um, and he helped me pick out some great collectibles for me.
5: It's all good, man. Don't worry about it. Did he show you the human skull in the cabinet brought to you by Dark Interiors? The what? Zoinks! You better be going to the ATM and then come back to buy a spine.
0: The Graveyard Gallery at thegraveyardgallery.com and on Etsy, Instagram, as well as Facebook as The Graveyard Gallery. Go to them for one-of-a-kind vintage pieces. New horror-related items are in each week. From big and small companies and one-of-a-kind creations,
1: the Graveyard Gallery. It's
2: fine, sold separately.
1: Hey Geek Stuff listeners, it's West Coast Scott here. Did you know I do a podcast with my lovely wife? Say hi, Brittany. Hi. Tell them about our podcast.
5: We do a weekly podcast where we talk about travel, conventions, Disneyland, and our growing family.
1: It's called the Pi Cast because we got married on Pi Day, and it's available wherever you find your podcasts. You can also follow us on social media at Pi Day Family, and my new Twitter handle is at Pi Day Scott. Check us out. Okay,
0: here we go. I'm James Hatton, and I'm Podcast
2: Rob, and we're the Something Something Cast. We're a pop culture podcast that chats about movies, comics, TV, music, video games,
1: and a whole lot more. Check us out at our home at SomethingCast.com. And also on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Podcasts, and other fine podcatchers as well.
2: Proud members of Hashtag Potter and Family and ACPN, the art, comedy, and pop culture podcast network.
1: Build your
0: own X-Wing. Luke Skywalker's legendary Red 5 Starfighter from the Star Wars saga.
2: Mitch, what you don't know about me, I'm just about squeezing the grand fucking can. Hey, this is Kevin Smith, Big Cav's love slave. Did you know I always wanted to be a dancer in Vegas? Then you're listening to Big Cav's Geek Stuff.
5: What do you look so shocked for, man? Fat bastard does this all the time. He thinks just because he don't say anything, it'll have some huge impact when I mean, he does open his fucking mouth. Jesus map. Christ, why
2: don't you shut up? Live from Studio M, this Sandwich Shop, Big Cav's Lake House of Love, and West Coast TNG, and wherever our lovely guests are located. It's Geek Stuff. TNG. During our commercial break, hear it from our amazing sponsor, buildXWing.com. This model is a 118 scale, making it the only fully scaled, fully detailed X-Wing ever made for use with your three and three 4 Star Wars action figures. This X-Wing features many amazing details like the proton torpedo bay, working engine lights, and the light of Bar 2 d 2 You can add your own boops, bops, and beeps. The s foils open into attack position, the laser cannons, simulate firing, and the engine lights power up, all by remote control. We recommend you take them up on their do 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 premium offer. You get 118th scale hangar accessories to create a detailed display of your X-Wing, including crates, tanks, personnel transporter, landing lamps, fuel pump, ladder, as well as several static figures, including ground crew members and even Luke Skywalker himself. When you sign up for your subscription each month, in addition to your parts of the model, you'll get 4 full full-color magazines, featuring instructions to the parts you've received, fascinating articles about the original models used in the movies and more. You can collect these great source materials in a free binder, which you'll receive as part of your subscription. As a fan of collectibles, you may have seen models like this online or at shows or conventions. And I don't need to tell you, the price tag can be quite high. The genius of this system is they are paying a little each month, as well as having fun putting it together yourself. You can check out more info over at buildx or reach them by phone at 877-544-6779. Check them out today.
5: Great job, Dom. Great job there. And also to talk about our secondary sponsor, the Graveyard Gallery in 21 Main Street in Butler, New Jersey. These guys just put out an amazing New commercial, by the way, before we continue, just an amazing <laughs> commercial. One of the best
2: commercials I've ever seen in my I mean, life. cinematic oh,
0: gold. Because the two of you are in it.
5: Uh, not only that are we in it, but uh, I, I wrote produced uh, organize and and pretty much put it together so it was yeah. it was my
2: th- it was my uh debut to, to the screen so it was a very big deal for me
5: and um when um, to start somewhere and I got paid for it so it was even better uh but they are a great horror store great uh bunch of folks that are over there they have lots of stuff for Halloween too just saying if you want to pick up some Michael Myers stuff uh they also have a bunch of new Etsy type uh items that came in the store uh, I I bought myself it has um, it's a nice little plaque it has the word home on it, uh, blood splattered, and it has the, the house from Evil Dead 2, uh, the little cabin in the background. So it's a it's a lovely little piece right there. Uh, but check them out at the Graveyard Gallery, 21 Main Street in Butler, New Jersey. Tell them Geeks of TNG sent you and uh, you'll get a sticker. And who doesn't like a free sticker? So there you go.
0: Perfect. Indeed. And,
1: and Nick, i just like to say on the West Coast, we don't have a Graveyard Gallery, but they have a fantastic Instagram with, uh, you know, their stories constantly showing you uh, the inventory and it's a lot of fun just to watch the instagram stories for the graveyard gallery
5: especially that damn commercial again not just to just to pimp that baby out one more time that that lovely cinematic gold
0: Um, oh yeah gold
5: (laughs) it's it's something
0: it's something like gold
5: it's something like gold just not gold gold. oh that's not nice
0: i'm just kidding i know you are so we have Catherine, but we've lost lance
5: oh he just disappeared like like into the ether.
0: Lance's part of the feed has failed.
5: <laughs> because I wanted to make it all about
6: me. No. <laughs> that's fair. He's feeding the dog.
3: The dog needs to be fed.
6: <laughs> well, that's a priority. <laughs> He's back.
1: This show loves dogs. It's a proven fact.
0: Mm-hmm. Well, wow. there you go. Well, most of you. Um, let's talk about some of your co-stars. We mentioned Robert Preston earlier, and how could you not? <laughs> Um, but let's talk about, uh, uh, for, for both of you, but, but Lance, uh, you did most of your stuff, I think, with Dan O'Healy, right? O'Hurley. Oh, yeah. And what was, and you know, if anyone knows what Dan O'Hurley looks like when he's not Greg, I will <laughs> give bonus points to at this time. Because I, I looked at a picture of him when he was not in the Greg makeup, and I'm
3: like, that's what that guy looked like? It was really funny. Yeah, well, RoboCop. I mean, you know. Yeah, sure. That's what he looks like. Um, uh, I, I always tell the story. I, I, I did not. I think <clears throat> I don't remember meeting him outside of the mask. So it was like a few. It was like a couple of weeks before, because he. I, I would stay later. He would come before me, and he'd leave before me. So he'd come before him because he needed like two hours of makeup, and uh, and then he would leave, and I, you know, I'd stay and do more scenes and. And uh, so I never saw him without his, without his head. <laughs> and finally, I did. I'm like, ah, damn! <laughs> now you look human. Um, no, it was it was uh, it was you know it was kind of a surprise. You know, he's a fine looking, very distinguished looking,
6: very handsome man. Irish guy. <laughs>
3: but uh, he, um, yeah, he's he's uh, It was kind of funny. After a while, of course, I hear him talk, so it's the same. Right. Your exchanges.
0: I know Scott's going to chime in here uh, in a second, uh, but I just wanted to say. Your exchanges with him uh, are, are some of the, I think some of the best in the movie, you know, like the whole, you know, just one, it'll be a slaughter. Yeah. That's interstellar. Oh, that's
3: the best one. Interstellar. The dialogue is great. I mean, the dialogue, I mean, the. my favorite line is, um, he's always saying theoretically. And I say, what are you worried about, Greg? Theoretically, we should already be dead. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's a good one. Scott? I
1: was going to say, it really is, you know, Lance, you mentioned that the movie was funny, but it also, it, it's like a fairy tale. It has this, it, it's very family-friendly as well. It just, you know, and I know as a kid, it's like, okay, there's the dream, right? You get to go from being a small town, uh, you know, maybe you're capable, but you're kind of stuck in the in the trailer park and then you get to go off and become, you know, the last starfighter. But while we're on the subject of uh, O'Hurley and, and Grig, I have two quick things. One, I can remember vividly my next door neighbor taping his two fingers together so that he could have a three- uh, you know, pronged hand like Grig. And, 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 you know, and I just, you know, I, and that that's how much of an impact it had on us that, you know, we made our own costumes to be like The Last Starfighter. But my real question is, where did Grig's laugh come from? Was it any way scripted or was that just something that he brought to the role?
3: It was something that he he brought to the role. He had really specific things that he wanted to do. And that was, that was one of them, his just wheeze out laugh.
1: Yeah, and, it, uh, it's very memorable.
3: But what's funny is that, like, I would say half of my mother's family—that's how they laugh.
4: Yeah, it's exactly
3: how they laugh. Are they heavy and it's smokers?
4: Just, no, not so much. But it was like it's got
3: this, you know, this like emphysemic horse, just just, you know, just like just one big long exhalation, and um, it, it was just funny that he that he had sort of crafted that, and I'm like, yeah, my uncle laughs like that. <laughs>
6: I just want to comment a little bit about he and his makeup and what a brilliant actor he is, is prosthetic makeup It was literally a piece of foam stuck on his face, right, molded foam that didn't really move a lot. So he had to figure out how to project emotion and different moods and all this other stuff underneath like a half an inch of foam. And I really feel like it's a reflection of, again, what a a brilliant actor, he, from what I understand, I I only worked with him once and I didn't know what he looked like at all. (laughs) But he would practice all those little subtle motions with his eyes, with his mouth, with his shoulders, you know, that conveyed such emotion in just little subtle ways. It's really a sign of of an artist being able to uh, create a character under half an inch of foam.
3: Right. That just say, stay
1: still, you know?
6: Right. And so if you watch it, all those subtle things that you kind of take for granted, he had to work very hard to get those.
1: Well, and also when you think about just over the course of this, you know, short time that we all have together in, in the movie, you know, you, you. You care about Greg and you care about Centauri when Centauri, you know, spoiler alert, when Centauri, when uh, when he passes away earlier in the movie, it, it, it means something. Even though we really have only seen the character for a few minutes on the screen, they, be, they are so immediately likable and relatable. And I'm again, that's a testament to, you know, the actors. Yeah,
6: I think one of the, excuse me, what are one they? of the... It really important things about the Last Starfighter is how relatable it is. Not only with the characters from outer space, the aliens, you you really have empathy for them. But what you were touching on before is the these characters are relatable. They are just a couple of kids from a trailer park, and that's to me that's one of the things that makes it unique and why it really connected with so many people because they could see themselves in that sort of fantasy, you know, being regular people, ordinary people in in an extraordinary situation, Um, kind of this fantastical situation. And and it's, I think like some of the other sci-fi movies, yeah, it was cool and lots of action, blah, 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 but the characters were different in that way. And that's something that's unique about Last So.
0: Let's, let's, hit, let's hit a couple of uh, your other cast members really quickly. Um, they say that it's hardest to work with uh, animals and children, and you had Chris Hebert.
3: Yeah. Oh, no, he, I mean, he was great. I mean, he was, it wasn't hard at all. He was, a, he was this little kid that had tons of personality and, and uh, he knew, he knew how to do the stuff that he was required to do. And he always, I, to me, he really gave an extra, it's funny because he's kind of a he's kind of a, a shy guy, like as, of a, as a grown up in
6: Orange County, or something yeah, like yeah. He's a grown
3: up. He's he's sort of this kind of bookish kind of guy, but he mm. but he was such a you know gregarious kind scamp, of kid, scamp, sort of precocious he, little kid,
6: right. And and I I think that part of the fact that he was just young and he just kind of was having a good time and taking it for granted. And I remember him saying. I'm going to try to win an Academy Award yeah. for this. You know, he was just had that naïveté kind of thing, and but he was never full. He wasn't like a professional kid actor no. having that kind of full of himself thing. He was just having a good time, and and he had it, that's who he was really. That that kid that you comes across that's who he was.
0: And the guy who I always credit with being sort of the the film's cheerleader uh was vernon washington who is another one who you did quite a bit with lance
3: yeah 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 he uh he was a theater actor i remember we were having conversations about that he um he was working on something he played otis i didn't mention that yeah but yeah he, uh, you know, and he, he, uh, he always he he sort of made he sort of made something out of every single one of his lines. Nothing yeah. was a nothing was a throwaway. He was mm-hmm. like, it's like he's casting a spell, you know. Everything he he does when he gets up, he just, just the way he delivers his lines, mm-hmm. and he was he was very deliberate and very he didn't you know he never threw anything away. He always made the most out of his.
6: But lines. some of his lines were the most important. They set the foundation yeah. for the the theme of the movie. You know, grab. I'm yeah not really
1: well he, done
6: he really had some prolific lines there that yeah. really set the foundation for the story about how you know you're going through this turbulent time in your life as we all do as kids graduating from high school and what next and you're confused and maybe scared about what your future holds and he's encouraging him to you know follow your dreams and just go for it yeah um which is what the you know ultimately the movie's about i think yeah yeah
0: true and this one this one's for both of you but uh, i i probably a little bit more i'll I'll lean into catherine for this one uh catherine are you a star trek fan
6: i used to watch the early star trek okay back in the day yeah
0: did you have a chance to talk to granny meg about her episodes of star trek
6: wasn't she in the very first episode of Star Absolutely. Trek?
0: He was in the first pilot with Jeffrey Hunter before there was a William Shatner. Wow. Uh, Pike. And when they came back and reused that footage in two episodes in the later series, she was in those as well as the Telogian, uh Keeper uh, person.
6: Okay, I didn't see her in the original pilot that you're talking about, right. uh, but... Um, I didn't know that at the time uh, when we were working together. She was so great. She was so great. Um, but I I, I uh, found out later on that she was wow. in, like, the, yeah, the pilot I episode, I guess, Love. with Shatner? Joe, Shat-
3: Joe Sargent directed the uh, pilot episode of Star Trek. Is that right? I, Joe Sargent. She is actually, she's actually
0: the, the uh, Meg Wiley is who we're talking about, played Granny in The Last Starfighter. Yeah, she's actually effectively the bad guy in the pilot of the movie Mm -hmm. like she is
6: a a, diminutive little lady isn't that funny you should i
3: I gotta see this
0: head prosthetic if you saw it lance you'd recognize the character oh you mean the one in the
3: opening credits the one that's always in the opening credits with the big head yep Mm -hmm. that's her that's meg
0: well well there are two so it's the one it's the one if you saw a picture you'd be like oh now i see it uh, um, but you know, you'll you'll look it up. you'll see. Right. Now right. I planted that seed in your brain, and you'll want to see it. So, okay. thankfully, I saw,
3: I saw a lot of Trek myself. I was I was a uh, you know that was that was a big deal at our at our house. I was really more of a Star Trek fan than a Star Wars fan when first Star Wars came out. I was a little, you know, although a lot of the Star Trek fans became Star Trek Star Trek fans became Star Wars people. But true, I, I preferred the Gene Roddenberry and.
0: Uh, just a quick word about the fact that the film is certainly one of the first to do full CGI sequences. And what was that like for you guys as well? I mean, to experience that sort of thing. Uh, you
3: know, basically, we all we knew is that they'd never done it before, right. and they were sort of cutting their teeth on this, and they were taking a big chance, and they didn't know what it was going to be. And so they had to make a, like a leap of faith, and they... Uh, you know, they didn't pass that insecurity on to us at all, but they were like, well, we think it's going to look like this. And, um, you know, it was, it was, it was the, you know, it was the first, the first time they did that. The first time they have to develop all those programs and do all that right. stuff. And if there was no Last Starfighter, there wouldn't be CGI. I mean, yeah.
6: I mean, Well, they probably would have eventually. They done, would have eventually done it. For sure, the movie, they, they set the, again, foundation for that.
3: But it was years before they, I mean, it was years before they really got to use it. Because there was a five-year gap of, you know, it was too slow. It was just, it was not, you know, commercially viable. So, Mm -hmm. they...
1: I just remember being blown away by it, you know, on the big screen. Because it looks so real. You know, you look back at it now, and and it it is clearly early CGI. But still, it's still, because it was burned into my brain at at a young age, it looks real. Even even when I just watched it just now, I'm like, that's... (laughs) that's a, a real gun star and it's flying through space and it's amazing.
6: Yeah. It, it was, it really was the beginning of everything that it is today. It was yeah. really the first time. And I didn't even know any of that was going on until the 25th anniversary screening of the last Starfighter, where they had a whole panel of the technical guys. And I learned that, you know, right up to the, Last second, they were still trying to decide whether they'd use just regular special effects, you know, with the models and everything, right. or if they were going to use CGI. Because, yeah. so these guys were working like twenty four seven, just creating these programs and and trying to get it done. And and they were even saying that they you know they decided to go with that, but they wished they'd had you know a lot more time because yeah. there was it was so so new and um, yeah, so. Uh, but I didn't even, I didn't know any of this stuff, but you were working on it all the time. So
3: I didn't know either. I didn't know until I found, until I watched the, uh, you know, 20 year release or whatever. And all those guys, Jeff Oak and all those guys um, were talking about talking it. Talking about it, right. And, you know, it, it's, it, I didn't realize how intense it was. Right. I didn't realize how, what a, what a, what a huge gamble it was and what it,
6: right. I mean, I
3: learned a lot. If I would recommend anybody. It's watch this movie. If there's like, you know, special features, definitely watch the,
6: it's really interesting. The, it's fascinating. Uh,
3: the sort of documentary on that crossing the frontier. I think one of
0: the things I'm surprised about is that the, that there are so many loyal, like film guys who, who, you know, talk about the last starfighter as being such an important film to them. What I'm surprised, what I'm always surprised by is the fact that none of these entrepreneurial kind of guys have gone back in and, redone as as they have with other movies they've haven't redone the special effects with sort of modern sort of uh computer graphics uh, uh uh you know tools at their disposal you see some of these things where i've seen on youtube where the guys go in and they you know that we're going to re we're going to redo this scene from a movie and i'm just so surprised that last starfighter has not been touched in that regard yet or maybe i'm maybe i'm starting a seed now for somebody listening to the show who's going to go back in and
3: i i've I've seen that and i've seen a little of the comments and, and a lot of a lot of people are kind of um uh they're sort of partial to yes. the aesthetic of the bare bones early yeah. og you know cgi right exactly <laughs> you know and they really they like that and they they're like no 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 don't don't change it. I mean, yeah, don't mess make up another that. movie where you can go do, 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 you know, whatever, but right. I mean, don't, don't change the original, you know, don't. Right. Don't-
1: you don't need to change you the know. original just like when the, the special editions of Star Wars came out. It's like, yeah. oh, no, I like it the way it was. There's no need to yeah. update it. You can't get those
3: uh, original Star Wars things where they haven't been. Is that right? Oh, oh, oh,
0: you can, Lance. Oh, I know you can. <laughs> I know you can, but it's a lot of
3: bootlegging is involved. Yes. <laughs> Let's,
2: let's call it bootleg. Sure, my son is you. my
3: son is the educator on this. He, my son, tells me. I mean, he, I get all my information from him. Got it. Got it.
0: Uh, so, uh, so we're gonna move. We're gonna move through your 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 career past now. Last Starfighter has come and gone, and uh, we go off to do <laughs> other things. Um, 1984 is still a great year uh, for Catherine. Because she does what is effectively her third cult film, Night of the Comet. That's right. And, and again, 200. if you have never seen Night of the Comet, what rock are you living under? Get out.
6: Hello! And- <laughs> no, I'm
0: kidding. <laughs> so tell us a little about the, what's the genesis of Night of the Comet?
6: Um, well, uh, uh, what? <laughs> um,
0: off the the hit of the last starfighter
6: well actually it did uh, the last starfighter sort of um kind of uh established me a little bit in la and hollywood i guess and so i think i was asked to read for it as opposed to you know my agents begging for me to read for something so i i kind of was a step further along in the process when I auditioned for um, uh, the uh, Night of the Comet. And I read with a, a young woman who uh, was similar to me, sort of the dark eyebrows and brown hair and whatnot. And um, I think I started at that process. So I was already, it was between me and another girl, and I'm not sure how far she had to go in, but I, they were sort of thinking of me originally. And, and then, um, and Kelly Maroney, who ended up playing my sister, was reading with this blonde, fair-skinned person, you know. And so we were both really shocked and surprised when we were told that we got the role and we meet, met up at um, the studio to do a little photo session. And it was like, oh, <laughs> I did not expect that. Um, so it was a, a happy surprise, and she and I, um, you know, we got along really well as well. And uh, yeah, I think uh, that comes across in the movie too. Definitely. Yeah.
0: Scott?
1: So I've got a question. Uh, Night of the Comet, again, another one of those. I saw it in the theaters and loved it. And we just, I mean, saw it on VHS over and over again after that. So mm-hmm. the movie starts with uh, the famous uh, DMK initials on the Tempest screen that, uh, you know, you have to. Work really hard to get all of those off so that your name is the only one on it, right? So and that's the, correct. And then the movie ends with um, the character driving up in a you know Mercedes convertible and picking up your sister and driving off. And he says, uh, he, your sister says, oh, nice car. And he says, oh, thanks, I've got 23 of them, which yeah. makes sense because you're in this uh, zombie apocalypse where there's no human beings left, so he can have all the cars that he wants. But then <laughs> when he drives away, his initials are on the license plate. So my question is, was DMK just some rich kid that had 23 different Mercedes who happened to survive the apocalypse? Or did he bring his license plate with him and put it on whatever car he was driving? I've been wondering about this since 1984.
6: Oh, my gosh. Well, I don't think anybody really thought about it. <laughs> no, it was just like a little a joke at the end, you know? And, and I, I'm assuming that was actually uh, DMK. He wasn't necessarily rich before the apocalypse. He just you know, probably went to a Mercedes dealership, and he was like, right, I have 20 of them. But he obviously had been to that movie theater and been playing that game. He was my major competition. And if you'll notice at the end, uh, as they're driving off, um, I sort of, it's, it's pretty subtle, but I kind of go, huh? like, because I recognize the initials, but I'm not sure where from, you know? So, um, yeah, I think that was very clever, actually.
1: Yeah, it, it, it just
3: three a kings. a great debt to uh, not in the comment Oh, well, there you go. Three kings. Remember when they can have all those Mercedes? Yeah. <laughs> That's what it reminds me. Of. That's what it was. It was an homage.
6: Yeah, <laughs> yeah.
3: That's it. They're all big N O T C. There
6: things. are a lot of homages to both these movies, actually. But uh, and um, what's the ugh, the zombie series? I don't watch these Walking things. The Walking Dead. The Walking, Walking Dead. Dead. Mm -hmm. The guy that I in Night of the Comets, the guy that I fight in the alleyway and take off on the motorcycle, there's an homage to him in in that show. They have they have a zombie that's dressed up in exactly the same costume, (laughs) and somebody told me about it, so I checked it out on uh, YouTube or something, and there he was, and I'm like. I'll be on the show. Yeah. <laughs> Anybody? Anybody? Yeah, I love the one. Yeah. <laughs> I, I never watched the show because I, it's just not my kind of uh, jam. It's but it's great. It would fun totally
3: It's totally great. I'm Ideal game. It. Ideal job. Yeah. The Only problem is you got to shoot in Atlanta in the summertime. Yeah. That's the problem. And you're covered in like sticky, dirty, paper. and sweat. Yeah, that's and what they all talk I about lots so of bugs much. But I that. actually auditioned for. I auditioned for a part that eventually went to. Taylor Pruitt, Pence, big guy. Um, oh, yeah, yeah. Otis. Otis, Otis. I think I auditioned for Otis. I remember, mm-hmm. and I read the script. I'm like, "What do I have to do to get on this this show? This is such a great
4: <laughs> show." Funny.
3: Uh, so we're gonna we're
0: gonna move forward now in time to 1987, and we're gonna switch over to uh, Lance, who does the the critically acclaimed uh jaws for the revenge
3: <laughs> the revenge is on who <laughs> um, uh the jaws of revenge yes jaws 87 I'll, I'll, I'll be really quick jaws 87 was the original title um i think from conception uh from green light i mean i mean no if it's from green light it was from, from concept the conception of the movie To like let's do another jaws movie to actually opening night i think was less than a year wow yeah wow. i mean it was just boom 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 and uh it it was it was faster it was on the fast track to do this and i got a phone call <clears throat> and they said uh they want you to do jaws 87 i was like what, really me and they what do you want me to do they want you to do the part that uh, dennis quaid played in the third one I'm yeah like, what about dennis quaid no i don't think he's not gonna do it you're you you, you you know so i was like Really? Okay. L- l- let me read the script, and I read the script, and the script was this—you know—very well, very, uh, you know, successful. Uh, he did a lot of television movies, but he, but, but he was a really terrific writer, Michael B. Guzman, and uh, made sense to me. And I was like, oh, good, I get to go down and go to the Bahamas and and uh, be a brain biologist, which is what in sixth grade that's what I wanted to be and uh and hang and, out with Michael Caine totally Michael Caine's gonna do it it's like wow. you know it's and the, and the, the, the film is you know it's 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 a Jaws movie you know I mean there's there's been weirder things than you know killer sharks um, and like three days before we shot they had to re, re had to scramble a lot of um, scenes in the movie because they couldn't they knew they couldn't get the stunt they didn't have they weren't using cgi so they couldn't get the stunt that they needed in you know in that particular scene they just they couldn't do it they could do something like it but they couldn't do exactly what it was and so basically based on what they could get with the big puppet and the hydraulic thing at you know 30 feet under the water um kind of determined how the show was going to be structured and they had to kind of reassemble it at the last minute and then I got the script, and I was like, "Holy shit! They have changed it completely. What am I gonna do?" You know, and because I have to justify that this is not outrageously improbable. Um, and I was like, "Oh shit!" And they were like, "It's gonna be fine," you know. <laughs> director <laughs> Joe, the director, was awesome. I love Joe, and he just was like, "Really? Watch this. You don't think this can? Watch this." <laughs> and uh, so, so you know, we did, we did, we did that movie, and. Um, You know, I I, I did the best I could do and, you know, I got some, the editor was like, thanks for doing this, 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 and this X, Y, and Z. We were able to thread some things together. And, you know, I just was trying to, I was trying to be as exact as possible and trying to be, trying to justify everything given the circumstances, but it it had been, you know. Tussled. Tussled, tossed, as it were. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so, yeah, so it was a Jaws movie, and, uh, and uh, we were in the Bahamas, and uh, Michael Caine was with us when he won his Academy Award. <laughs> yeah, nice. Really? Wow. Yeah, me. it was awesome. I mean, he's a really great guy. And, and
4: uh,
0: you Mario know, Ariel Van Peebles as well, and Lorraine yeah. Gray, and, yeah. you know, so, yeah, there were some yeah, great yeah, people. Yeah.
3: Um, yeah, and uh, you were saying your name was Kayla Brady,
6: mm-hmm.
3: and my wife was named Carla Brody. That's true Just saying
6: Just saying another homage Yeah, yeah, you know
0: Now, uh, so we're going to bounce back to Catherine Although she does some really, really wonderful films Like Night Flyers in 1987 Or World Gone Wild with Michael Perret and uh, Bruce Dern uh, Bruce Dern uh, in 1988 it's really 1989's Weekend at Bernie's that, uh, that Catherine finally puts the guns and the, the end of the world down and, and does what, what I feel everybody at the time thought was kind of a throwaway comedy that got humongous.
3: Oh,
6: it, I thought it was a throwaway con- comedy when I read the script. I was like, Who's going to laugh at some dead guy being pulled behind a boat and <laughs> bashing into buoys, you know? And boy was I wrong. I mean, I wanted to uh, work with Ted Kotcheff and Jonathan Silverman and Andrew McCarthy. I mean Ted
3: Kacheff, he directed? Ted he Co- directed oh that,
6: yeah. Um, and I actually, speaking of the inception of this, I, I was brought in to read with Jonathan Silverman. And I got there and I was in the room with Ted and Jonathan. And we started reading and all the, the lines just disappeared from my brain. And I was like, you know, I was so embarrassed and hum, humiliated. And I left and I went um, and called my manager and I said, I've completely blown this. Do something. Of course, he can, couldn't do anything. But so I was very pleasantly surprised that I was cast in this. So yeah, yeah. And it was, it was, it was a little bit of a departure for me because I hadn't really done a comedy like that. This kind of slapstick, you know, full out. Yeah. Sophomoric. I used to call it a sophomoric because it really fed into kind of a college kid boy mentality. It felt like to me. Um, and it was, but it was fun, super fun. And
2: people love it to this That's day cool. i actually i i'm gonna sound horrible saying this i never put two and two together until we literally just talked about it that you were in that movie and in the last starfighter and now that i realize that how did i not realize that you sitting here talking to you for like an hour that you were in the last star <laughs> <laughs> i feel like an idiot because i didn't actually realize that and we're talking about like yeah we can gonna burn she's in we can have bernie's
6: yeah. <laughs> I was a love interest in Weekend at Bernie's. Yes,
2: Park. yes, I remember distinctly. Yes, yes. I, I hate, to, I, I'll say it I'll say it slightly embarrassing myself like, oh, she's pretty cute. <laughs> <laughs> you and everybody in the world.
6: Yeah. <laughs> True.
2: Thank you. Thank
6: you. Oh,
1: wow. <laughs> That's what I'm here for. Speaking of the Brat Pack, right, uh, with Andrew McCarthy and uh, Weekend at Bernie's there. But and you know you said you think it was just kind of a a little slapstick silly comedy, but it is. It's iconic. It's the go-to anytime where you have to pretend that somebody dead is still alive. It's oh, your weekend at Bernie'sing it. I mean, it's just it's it's in the lexicon of of you know of the culture, right?
6: Right. Oh, for sure. It's a verb. It's a verb. It's it's Bernie. And then of course, when Bernie Sanders was you know running for president, we get a Bernies and. Oh, they, they've played off of that thing in every political way you can imagine. One of my, well, this is sort of bittersweet in a way, but um, when my son was in high school, they had this program, which was African dance. And it was a very, very popular program and so much fun. The shows were incredible. The kids were fantastic doing this, these beautiful, complicated, colorful African dances. And he, when he was in the 12th grade and it was the last, final performance, each of the kids got to do a solo. And he came out and did the Bernie dance. Yeah.
4: Um, all the,
6: and it's bittersweet because it, it made me laugh. And I, was, it, I felt like that was a little salute to me. But Bernie wasn't dancing in Weekend of Bernie's 1. He didn't start dancing until Weekend of Bernie's yeah. 2. But <laughs> uh, it was so funny seeing my son do the Bernie dance. Oh, my God.
3: That's great.
0: <laughs> so, and, and you, uh, you guys were moving along. So, uh, you you guys continue to do. Uh, Catherine does so many TV movies that it would take us hours and hours and hours to even count them. Yes,
6: um, are big in the eighties.
0: Yes, very big in the eighties. And but the, 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 the one sort of the one sort of post thing that I that I I want to hit here before we talk about what you what you're doing now and the inevitable questions about. Last Starfighter sequels and all that sort of thing. Before that, the one thing I just remember, and I wanted to share this with you, Lance, was I, I, the, the, the time I remember seeing Lance the most, I think, sort of uh, out there and, and appearing on this and that and the other thing was for Million Dollar Quartet. ah yes you were on letterman for that i mean you were it seemingly you were everywhere when that show was on broadway and and for the guys that don't know lance played johnny cash uh million dollar quartet was johnny cash it was um jerry lee lewis elvis and carl perkins yeah, right. Carl Parkins. And it was a, a sort of a fictionalized account of the only time that they ever played together or recorded together or some such thing.
3: Well they all just got together. They were label mates and they all and they all got together at Sam Phillips Sun Studios and right. it was kind of the last of the it was a bit of an end of the innocence. I mean, it was kind of the last of the time before they were huge stars. I mean, Elvis was a huge star, but because he was Elvis, he was still kind of the "Hey, Mr. Phillips, I just want to come say hi," you know. <laughs> and uh, you know, so 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 there was a there was a kind of a I don't know kind of a, a jumping off point when rock stars became rock stars. These guys were just hillbillies who could play, you know, and uh, and could write, and they just had a great, you know, just a great little jam and they had a little thing and then and then of course it's all about Sam Phillips sort of the genius of Sam Phillips he was like the the Lee Strasberg of rock and roll you know he had this sort of sense of of pulling this soul out of singers and stuff and so so they kind of you know went you kind of covered that as well. And then, you know, it being a musical, we, we got to sort of jukebox our way through and everybody, you know, they sang all of John's great hits and they sang Jerry Lee's great hits and they sang Elvis's hits and Carl's hits. And so if you didn't like, you know, if you didn't like Carl, you were a John fan. If you didn't like Jerry Lee, you were a Carl fan, whatever it was. So everybody, right. everybody got something, you know, because it's a bit of an all-star, you know, show. But it was fun because we got to play our own, our own instruments and uh, you know, there was no band. We were the band. And
6: uh, he's an incredible musician. By the
3: way. I, that's nice of you to say. I don't
0: well, know about incredible,
3: but I am a I'm a guitar picker.
6: So,
0: Well, I, I'll, you know, I'll be honest with you when I saw first of all, what I heard and then when I subsequently saw um, the performance, at least, uh, you know, in the in the ways to which I was able to see it, I wasn't able to see the show. I wish I had. Um, but yeah, I was stunned. I I, I just I had no idea you know, there's, there's nothing in, in your, with respect, there's nothing in your previous CV that would indicate, well, he's going to go up on stage and he's going to do Johnny Cash and he's going to
3: carry it off. So (laughs) bravo to you, sir. Thank you. I, I, it was a total uh, luck. It was luck. It was a, I'm a, you know, the first guy, the first record I ever had was Johnny Cash. And I just sort of learned how to sing. I wasn't like an impersonator or anything. I just kind of learned how to, sang from the first record that I had. And, and you know, he's such a character. He has such right. a, you know, iconic voice. And, I, you know, I didn't, I mean, I was nine years old when I was doing it. I didn't have the voice when I was nine years old. But I, I ended up having it when I was older. And it just sort of fell into place kind of by accident. It was literally the easiest thing I've ever done. The easiest job I've ever done. Right. And it lasted the longest and uh, made the most money.
2: <laughs> That's a perfect and it was situation. Wonderful.
6: Yeah, I got to see because I was living in New York when he was there. and, and I was going to ask that. Yeah, it was terrific. We were in the second row or the first row maybe. Were but, you in the first row? Yeah, I remember looking up at you and going like this and you did <laughs> a jot of cash. <laughs> wave. Yeah, you acknowledged me there, yeah. I don't like, know what I'm with us. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It,
4: was,
3: uh,
6: it was very, it was really, really entertaining. And I mean, they were just in their groove, man, those guys. So,
0: yeah. Let's talk about as we as we cruise toward the end of our regular show before we go into our bonus segment. Um, mm-hmm. Let's talk about what are you guys working on now? What are some what, what are some things, if anything, are you working on now? What can you talk about? What can you share?
3: I, I you know, the, the pandemic was sort of like, a, well, we're just going to lay low now that we're, we're, I didn't feel compelled to. Run out and do everything. The theater was closed. I do a lot of I've done a lot of theater work, um, and it's just like you can't do it. You know, you gotta, right. you gotta stop. And even film work, it's it's very protected and very you know. So I just I I haven't I haven't done anything that way. I was working on a theater piece that was really fun. Which you guys might enjoy. It was a uh, um, it's a somewhat of a sketch comedy uh, version of. The making of the Star Wars Holiday Special, and it's one of the funniest things I've ever read. Wow! And uh, it a friend of mine called me and said, "We want you to play, you know, X, Y, and Z." All these, everybody plays like six or seven parts, and it's the madness that went into the making of the Star Wars Holiday Special, hmm. so, and it's very funny. So and uh, we it. did it. We did it in 2018. And we were going to do it in 2019, but then we couldn't do it. They do it like we did it every, we were going to do it every November, you know, when it happened. Yeah. And it's, you know, it's not a, it's not a huge moneymaker or anything like that, but it's really a funny idea. And it's yeah. really a fun thing. And, and obviously the fan base is gigantic and the people that saw it were really, were, were quite fond of it. So oh, I'm I, proud of that. I, I, Who I, knows when we're going to do that it'll again? It'll come back. Probably going to start it up.
1: I'd love to see that
3: yes but this guy the star wars a special to play i think is special to play.com i don't know the writer, his names andrew osborne he's really a great writer and he um he's always he's always pushing it he's always trying to, you know we're trying to always trying to get it going because it's so much fun to do and it's you know it's right in there with everybody you know so
0: nice how about you katherine
6: Well, I mean, the pandemic shut everything down for sure. It's starting to open up now. I mean, everybody's scrambling to to do something and get some sort of product out there. But um, before the pandemic, I was kind of working on a couple of scripts myself, which is a little new for me, but um, we uh, a writing partner and I that I was introduced to by a former producer that I'd worked with who now teaches script writing. Um, He kind of put me together with this uh, young kid who's a Canadian and because his idea was let's do something in Canada. Um, He and I came up with this script and uh, we actually got it optioned up in Canada. So yeah. So we've been, uh, you know, we mostly through the pandemic we were doing rewrites, rewrites, rewrites. so a lot of that kind of stuff, we'll see what happens. You know, something being optioned doesn't really mean anything, ultimately. <laughs> and, uh, but it's, but better it's something- better than no. What's that?
0: It's better than no.
6: Well, it's yeah. yeah, absolutely. And um, yeah, and it'd be something, it would be a vehicle for me to direct as well. So we'll, cause I would love to get into directing. That's something I've wanted to do for a long time. And I just keep throwing it out there into the universe and hoping <laughs> it sticks. And it's, you know, I've been throwing it out there for a while now, but it's starting on getting some nibbles. So that's very, very good. I nice. would be very excited to, to direct. Um, and I would also play the lead role in it. So it's, that's kind of exciting. Um, I just did a, a movie, a little thing in Rochester, New York. It's called um, Ask Me to Dance. It's a it's 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 a romantic comedy based around um, West Coast swing dance.
4: Oh,
0: Um,
6: Mm yeah. This uh, this guy, Tom Malloy, who writes these scripts and produces and and whatnot. Um, I've worked with him five times now. So he always, you know, throws me a bone. So I did that just over the weekend (laughs) this couple of weekends ago. Um, yeah, so I feel like things are starting to pick up. This last weekend, I was in uh, Huntington Beach, California, uh, for a film festival where they they kind of it, uh, Night of the Comet opened it. Uh, it was the theme was L.A. Apocalypse, so all the mo- there were lots of movies, Penelope Sparrow's things and and stuff like that um, with that theme. So that was that was fun. Yeah, nice. and you know, sort of re. Uh, met you know a lot of uh, kelly maronia and i are still in touch all the time but seeing tom everhart the director and albert arthur albert the uh, director of photography and the producer Andy Lane, they were all there and and the guy who played uh willie the evil box boy ivan ron i
3: can't believe you know ivan i went to college with ivan no oh he
6: told oh, me oh yeah that. ivan
3: is hilarious
6: ivan is fantastic oh, i haven't He's hilarious. seen him since Night of the Comet. Yeah, and he was Hollywood fantastic. A
3: small town.
6: Yeah, yeah.
3: Yeah, that?
6: Oh my God, he told me that actually, and, and then the foreman
3: guys—the guys I did the foreman with—half of them were they used to play poker with Ivan all the time. So there
6: he like, yeah. He's a good guy. So that yes. was super fun.
0: So let's deal with the inevitable question. Yes. Where's the sequel? Where's the sequel? Where's yes. the talk?
6: I'm Where's glad I didn't bring president? that up.
0: It's literally every other month there is a new. No, this time it's for real, guys. This time it's happening.
3: All I know is that the people that are in charge of it, that are that are that own the rights, are saying that it is you know it is not dead in the water by any means. It is still it is still close to something, but I. I, I am not them, so I can't. They are the only ones that that know, and they are the only ones that can uh, yeah, can reveal any of that. Yeah. Um, I would if I could, but I can't. I can't. I don't know.
6: Yeah, we well, know as much as you do. Yeah. I mean, right. The first sort of. Uh, announcement actually was nick castle at one of these conventions that yes. we, we had a QA and, and he was talking about the sequels absolutely out there and jonathan betchell the original writer is involved and which is very good you know you want to have the same people that did the original do the sequel if possible
3: they know that it's unique you know they know mm-hmm. that it's not just a property that it's like okay let's let's buy this and let's make some money it's right they want to make sure that they're because they know that the people like it because it's It is
6: what it is. It's got soul, you know. Yeah, it does. And theoretically, we're supposed to be in it as the parents of the next Last Starfighters, I guess.
1: Theoretically.
0: (laughs) Yeah, theoretically.
6: Theoretically,
1: yeah. Yeah, the second to last last Starfighter, right?
0: Call it the last star
3: fighters, and there's more than one now. Uh yes, there is one. I gotta I'm gonna I'm gonna go find something. I'll be right back. Oh
6: so let's just talk amongst yourselves. Yeah. Sounds, like
3: <laughs> a, sounds
0: like a surprise coming.
6: Yeah, well, I know. So, Wow. Uh, surprise Zer, for me too.
1: Zura does escape, right? He's in the escape pod before. So I mean yeah. it also can Definitely be you know, the return of Zura, right? Or son of Zur. <laughs> we got this the two sons. There's so much potential.
6: And yeah, I get- oh yeah, it's wide open for a sequel for sure. All right, I have to Can do you? this.
3: Oh. I have to do this, sorry. I have to do this. Um, my father... Um, Wrote a sequel. A my father was a fighter pilot um, and he was trained during World War II and, uh, and he made this thing for me and he basically handed a camera to the guy, um, the guy in front of him and he flipped the plane and he rolled the plane over. It was a jet, you know, he used to fly jets <laughs> and he flipped it over and he said, take the picture. So, this is a picture of him. Oh, no, it's not upside down. This is actually right, <laughs> and it says the first Starfighter on it.
4: Oh, I there see that
3: at the top there. So, oh, my god. this is my dad.
4: Oh my god! Yeah, is that wild? What? So, people ask him
3: about it because you know it's you know, and it was Memorial Day. So I you know thought about my dad, and uh, my dad passed away about mm, about sixteen years ago. Um, but this was him and it says, and the other weird thing is that he worked at, he worked at Lockheed and he worked on this, uh, jet called the F-104 Starfighter. But of course he never said anything to me until I was about 35 years old, of course. you know, and I was like, dad, how could you not say this? He's like, God, ah, you know, I don't know. It was a flying coffin. It was like this really dangerous, but highly maneuverable aircraft.
4: Until so, it crashed. And then, then people just, <laughs>
3: pilots would just like, die. all these pilots would die. Oh know. my gosh. All these test pilots would die. But it was the F-104 Starfighter. That's what it was called. Wow. I had no idea. He gave me this little pin, this little like thing that they gave me <laughs> in 1952 or whatever it was. You know. Wow. Anyways, I thought you guys would like that.
4: Yeah.
0: Well, I I think it's good that people are are still, uh, you know, as we, as we come to the end of the regular show here, you know, I think it's good that people are still talking about doing a sequel, you know, will it manifest in our lifetime? I hope so. Um, And, uh, but there's no doubt there can be no doubt that the last Starfighter is, is a classic uh, film. I don't want to say cult film because I don't know. I got a weird, although most of um, in fairness, Most of Kathy's movies are cult films, but other than, other than those, I don't know. I just, I just call it a good film. I call it a classic film. Uh, And uh, we are so grateful, so grateful that you guys took time out of your schedule to spend a little time with us talking about your careers, talking about The Last Starfighter and what a great thrill this was. Thank you so much guys. Great, great to be with you. Thank you. So hold on, we're gonna bring this part of the boat to shore and then we're gonna cast off uh, as though we were looking for sharks uh, into our bonus segment uh, in one minute. So Mr. Monty. Yes, sir. Are you ready to bring uh, this episode
5: to a close? Let's bring this episode to a close by just mentioning uh, our contact information. You can reach us online at geeksoftng.com. You can check us out on the social medias, the Instagram, the Facebook, and Twitter's at Geeks of tng respectively. You can find me online as Monty's Mayhem, M-O-N-T-E-S, M A Y H uh, E M. 8 i am on the Instagram, the Facebooks, the Snapchats, the YouTube, the Twitters, the Grubhubs, the Ubers. The, I'm all over the place. I'm just... Everywhere, all I'm, of it. I'm on, I'm on a platform, wherever you go. Uh, Big Kev.
0: Uh, you can find me on the Xbox One Nation as Big Kev KevGS. Uh, otherwise, I am BK Geek Stuff everywhere else. Mr. Sandwich.
2: You can find me on Xbox One and Instagram at Fat F A T D O M B L E D O R E.
0: Mr. Scott.
1: And you can find me at Pi Day Scott on the Twitters and Pi Day Scott 1 on Instagram. That's P I D A Y S E O T T.
6: I'm on some of that junk.
1: Go ahead, Kathy,
6: Brent. <laughs> Get it. So most of it is Katherine Mary Stewart, whatever. Um on Twitter it's CMS A-L-L. At CMS But if you hashtag Katherine Mary Stewart, I should come up. But yeah, everything else is Catherine Mary Stewart.
3: And Lance is on none of it. I am avoid computers whenever possible. <laughs> um I do have a Facebook that I talk to my High school friends and people that I knew from college, and some don't give that that out. Fans with yeah, those are my those. If 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 people friend me, and I don't really know who you are, I I can't. I only have people that I know.
4: (laughs) I have a public. That's what it's (laughs)
0: for. So that's good for you, Lance. For you know, I'm the same. All right.
6: I have both. You're good. (laughs) It's okay.
0: Uh, and with that, Mr. Mayhem, Mr. Sandwich, and Mr. Scott, as well as our incredible guest, Lance guest, and our other incredible guest, Catherine Mary Stewart. Uh, we want to bring this episode of Geek Stuff TNG, episode 638, the one we really didn't name.
5: No. Huh. I, wonder, I wonder what, we'll, what we're going to name it. It, though, it could literally. be literally anything.
0: It could literally be anything.
5: Yeah. So much We'll do it in post- you could do it in
0: post without... we'll do it later what's that we'll do it later we'll do it later <laughs> with that uh, we will bring this episode to a close the way we end some episodes by saying
2: good night OG wherever you are
3: and on that note
5: we cue the music So Dr. White